Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are not actually at a point where we're doing our daily podcast right now, uh, nor are we talking about the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is a hiatus episode. This is exciting. We're going to jump into some hiatus moments here for the next few months before our season two kicks off with The Incredible Hulk in January 2020. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, we're warming up for Hulk. So this is going to be a fun, uh, a fun round of films that we're going to be discussing here. We are going to be looking at a bunch of Hulk films. This is fun. We're looking at first The Incredible Hulk. It's the pilot episode from the TV series from 1977, uh, 1978. And it is uh, the very first episode was actually a feature length TV movie and actually was theatrically released in some countries around the world. Uh, so that is what we're going to be looking at tonight. And then we're going to be following this up with the, uh, it's actually episodes two and three from the TV series. Uh, it was called Death in the Family um, on the show. But as a movie, they were, as a TV movie, it was made called The Return of the Incredible Hulk. And that also had a theatrical release around the world. And then we're going to be looking at a few uh, NBC films when they took over the filming rights to The Incredible Hulk. We're going to look at The Incredible Hulk Returns, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, and The Death of the Incredible Hulk, all the TV movies from the TV series. And then we will be ending it with Ang Lee's Hulk. Those sweet, sweet gamma dogs. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be fun. There are a lot of uh, TV movies with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno that I didn't even know existed, Pete. <laughs> I have to, I want to go back to this whole thing because you, there was a an important caveat to your introduction here. And that is that these were released as feature films in some countries. I am curious to know, Andy, what were those countries? What countries are so into Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno and the Hulk <laughs> that this became the the home video release or the feature film release. Well, I will tell you, Pete, this movie uh, or this as a movie was theatrically theatrically released in Australia, in Finland, France, Germany, and the Philippines. Every one of those checks out, especially <laughs> Australia, especially <laughs> Australia. <laughs> You won't like me when I'm angry. You don't like me when I'm angry. That's, uh, I'm terrible at that. Oh, God. Please, uh, suddenly, apologies to apologies, all of our Australian yeah, listeners. Yeah. And to all Cockney listeners. And, oh, it's bad. Uh, okay, so how did you how did you prep to watch this movie? Did you do anything specific, any sort of meditation or research, either or, <laughs> to get ready to watch these first feature-length uh, introduction to Bruce Banner, David Banner? David Banner. David, yeah, David Bruce Banner, as yes. we learned. DB Banner. I, you know, this was a uh, an experiment in um, looking back into the past because I loved this show when I was young. This show ran on TV. Oh, uh, let's see. It was five seasons, and so it ran from seventy eight, or sorry, the fall of seventy seven through May of eighty two. And I just, I loved watching this show. And I, I can't, I mean, you know, when you're young, you have no 
concept, at least I didn't, of what a TV season was or the overarching, like the number of episodes each season, all that. Like I had no idea. I just knew it was on TV and I watched it as often as I could. So I couldn't tell you, like, if did I watch all of the episodes from all five seasons? Who knows? Um, what I can say is I loved watching it. I loved Bill Bixby as uh, Banner, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. And just kind of the the tone of the show, this man who is uh, presumed dead, traveling across the country uh, with fake names, trying to uh, always in every episode falling into a situation where he needed to help people. And it always put him into a place where he would get angry, transform into the Hulk, get himself in trouble, and then have to go on the run again. That was pretty much the standard yeah. from episode to episode. And I loved it. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know. In my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch all the all five seasons before this starts. And then reality kicks in. You're like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. There's no way I'm going to get through all 80 episodes right. of the show. <laughs> right. Also, we've, we've got comics since 1962 to get through. So that's right. You know, <laughs> there's plenty of that. There's plenty of on. that. I, I was surprised at a couple things. Well, I, the list of things that surprised me uh, is long and distinguished, but I will start with a couple that that surprised my inner child. I remember Lou Ferrigno is bigger. <laughs> well, if you look at the foot cast. <laughs> right. I think maybe uh I, I think maybe the the Ruffalo Hulk, Hulkalo, has damaged my impression of Lou Ferrigno's Hulk. Because when I was a kid, that dude was the size of Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. And now, you know, he works out. <laughs> I don't mean to downplay Lou Ferrigno. He's a stunning specimen of a man, but uh, I remember him as bigger. So that's number one. Number two, I don't remember Bill Bixby as being this straight up entertaining. Like, I thought it was much cheesier when I was a kid. I My impression of this show was actually worse when I was a child than it is today. I watched this this first movie. I was like, this is actually pretty solid like i right. get into it there are some straight up stupid things that i can't wait to talk to you about but i i really enjoyed i really enjoyed him and that surprised me a lot yeah it's it actually was really fun to revisit and to kind of look at the origin of the tv version of hulk and far as far as how they did it and everything and yes sometimes the paint isn't quite as good as it should be on ferrigno's body sometimes it's um, better than it should be Sometimes, yeah, I feel like sometimes the makeup work on his face uh, changes. Yeah, but but that being said, like I just I had a really fun time watching this. I really enjoyed the performances. I think that kind of everybody involved was clearly having a good time with the show, and so I, I just yeah, I, I had a wonderful experience looking at this again. Um, I thought Bill Bixby was great. I, he and Lou Ferrigno, I think, paired together work really well as the Hulk. Mm -hmm. I really loved Susan Sullivan as Elena. I thought uh, she just was very natural in the role. And so, yeah, it was it was a fun show. I had a really good time watching this uh, this particular story. I, I don't want to push you into something that, uh, you know, it's too soon in, in our conversation to start. But I know that we have to do a little bit of a recap because I don't expect people to go find this this uh, show. If you have Amazon Prime, uh, you you can watch it there uh, with weirdly with ads, but uh, it's there. But you have prepared a synopsis, a recap, unlike anything we have ever done on the next real Marvel movie minute. And I think it's time. <laughs> yes, it's I have. time for you to to present. 
just like Carl loved Ellie in Up. David Banner loved Laura, his wife. And as Carl lost Ellie to disease, Banner lost Laura when a car crash took her life. Nearly a year has gone by, and Banner's obsessed with the science of strength. Not just everyday muscles for flexing, but for those big moments where you go the extra length. He works with Elena, who secretly loves him, as they test folks who survived difficult ordeals. A mom who saved her son from a car crash, but who won't share in their donut meals. They science the hell out of everyone's blood, an abnormal concentration in their DNA. The adenine-thiamine combination? Could it be hip-hip-hooray? But David, middle name Bruce, had the same combination and couldn't find that monstrous strength inside to save his wife from the burning car. This answer was not enough. He couldn't abide. Meanwhile, reporter Jack McGee pesters David for an interview. David declines. Clearly used to this. McGee's rag is crap from David's point of view. Back at the office, an assistant mentions sunspots. It might be the key Banner's looking for. They kick off gamma ray interference. Gamma, you say? Quoth the Hulk, nevermore. Sure enough, it's the gamma rays that do it. And are any of us surprised? David, not Bruce, tests them on himself. But his strength remains downsized. What gives? He leaves his lab in frustration. It's raining. There's lightning. His car won't start. A tire blows as he drives. He hurts his hand fixing it. Anger! Change! It's that time, dear listener. Take heart. It's Lou Ferrigno painted green with a wig of yak hair to boot. He growls and runs in slow motion after crushing David's car. It's a hoot. Like Frankenstein decades before, he finds a young girl by a lake. He's taken by her peaceful nature, but in her boots, he makes her quake. She flees, but seems to be drowning. Hook uses a tree to try saving her. Her father thinks he's a monster and shoots him, a real gunslinger. Hulk's mad now and crushes Dad's gun, then tosses him into the lake. He becomes a man on the run before another transformation he'll make. David seeks help from Elena. They do a test on David's anger and rage. He transforms into the Hulk yet again, and he goes on a destructive rampage. Elena uses her powers of calm to turn the beast back to the man of old. But they're interrupted by a cop and McGee with a big foot mold. He's told to get rid of his wreck of a car, and he agrees to get rid of the cop. But when they take off to go back to the lab, from behind a bush does McGee pop. He peeks into the lab and finds the destruction. He's on to them. They know more than they say. Meanwhile, they try to reverse the damage, but the failure only causes dismay. They return, and McGee confronts them. Who is this hulking giant? 
but some chemicals spill unbeknownst to them as Banner drags out McGee, defiant. They argue in front, but hear Elena scream. She's found the toxic spill. An explosion knocks the place to bits, and Elena is nearly killed. David spots her in trouble and changes. Back to the Hulk he goes. He saves her and gets her to safety, and McGee sees all, or so he supposes. Boom goes the lab, and that's the end of Banner, or so McGee thinks at least. Meanwhile, Elena tells Hulk she's always loved him, then dies, having confessed to her green priest. Elena is buried next to a grave for David, whose body was never discovered. McGee reports the Incredible Hulk is to blame, and whose capture he'll make sure to cover. Everyone leaves, and David shows up. Alive and well, though staying hidden, he says goodbye to Elena and confesses his love. Then away he goes, his identity forbidden. So opening, we, can we talk about the up opening? It is total up. Total up. Wow, I saw this and I'm like, those little Pixar bastards. <laughs> they stole <laughs> this do. from Hulk. They stole it from the Hulk. <laughs> I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I oh, it am, was so funny. And you can kind of see Lou Ferrigno in Carl a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this whole setup about the... I, okay. This this leads into something that I I need you to address for me. Uh, we we start with the up opening and the whole idea behind the fact that Bruce can't lift the car, and uh, never once I imagine if you did a search of the script you would never once find the words adrenaline. Now adrenaline was actually discovered in the late 1800s. It was isolated and created in a lab in early 1900s. We have known for over a hundred years, I'll say less than a hundred years when this thing, uh, generously when this, this thing was made, what adrenaline does, right? We've known, that's settled science. <laughs> so uh, is there a name for this, that, that trope, in which we have to ignore settled science to justify research toward a different conclusion, i.e. gamma in this thing. Because that's what we did. We told these researchers intentionally, willfully ignored settled science in order to support gamma. Is that a thing that we've run into before? It feels I like we should have. I, I doubt. I, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's the movie world, and you're going to have to buy into it because this, that's how they wrote this. I, you know, they. I feel like they should have brought it up because it it had a place to be discussed when Bruce is talking to to Elena early, and they're talking to BJ and his mom, and he's hearing the story, and he's talking about how he, how you know he, they're hearing how his, BJ's mom could lift the car to save him. And then, then uh, David walks out. I keep calling him Bruce. David walks out. He's so upset, and he, uh, you know, says, "Why couldn't I do it? Why couldn't I do it?" And that leads to the whole discovery of these yeah. gamma rays from the, the sunspots. Right. 
the that would have been a place to say, you know, my adrenaline was pumping just as much as hers must have been. You know, just yeah. one line could have gotten you through that, and it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't have created that kind of science gap that we're faced here. And it's an interesting change anyway, because in the comics, it has never been this. Never. Right? It's always right. been a gamma bomb that Banner has developed with the military, and they are testing it. And a young kid, uh, Ricky Jones, he's just, you know, being dumb, and he's, like, racing around the base trying to prove to his friends how cool he is or something. And 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 Bruce, in the comics, goes out to try to stop him, pushes him into a ditch, and then Bruce takes the full hit of the gamma waves, and that is what kind of leads him to become the Hulk. It's uh, so obviously they didn't, didn't want to, you know, create that whole scenario because probably budget reasons for the TV show. So they went with this other thing because, I mean, in this, all you need is him in a chair that kind of rotates and shines a light on his head. <laughs> That's right. And much. you know what's funny is like even when they do the big transition effects, like they didn't do anything to this. Like when he changes into the Hulk, they do this flashy like zoomy thing and this crossfade and and it's it, it's at least they show up and they try <laughs> this there, there's this this ticking countdown and this all of these these like but but as soon as the clock hits zero and you know that gamma radiation is now in there there's nothing like he's just staring which of course is exactly what would happen in the lab but it's so understated for uh, like a, a, a series like this. It's super understated, like that they wouldn't include some sort of beams or you know some something. Right. I think it's a, like a green light. That yeah, shines it's on a green, head, <laughs> a little targeting reticule. Right, yeah. that's it. It's very funny, and the, and what's great is as soon as he's done, because he does it on himself. That's the other yeah. thing. It's it's so easy to do this gamma test that he just does it on himself. He straps did, himself down. Did that not give you an enormous on. amount of anxiety though? Like he sets the the <laughs> clock for two minutes, and then he yeah. starts to do all the strap stuff. That made me crazy. <laughs> I'm like, why not set it for five minutes? Right. Give yourself some time. Right. Or like, get the or get, seat cause... prepped and then go in and turn the timer and then run back out. It's just like taking a picture on timer. Set up first. Oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those moments. But it, it was it, and it was funny, though, when he finished, you know, because before he gets in, he tries to lift the little medical bed yeah. and he struggles with it. And after he's done his uh, blast of the gamma radiation, he goes over and tries to get it. He still can't do it. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just it made me laugh. It was just so funny because he's so frustrated. Why didn't it work? Well, then he goes outside and he puts on the flimsiest of jackets. Like, why do you even bring a jacket, Bruce? And then he goes outside and it's raining. And he's, oh, now it's raining. And I'm thinking, when's it? what's going to be the thing that pushes him over the edge? Is right. it the rain? Is the rain enough to make David turn into the Hulk? That would be perfect. I've had the those rain, days. Or is it the lightning? Is or... it the lightning? <laughs> it turns out we... It just we, keeps getting worse and it worse. It gets worse and worse. And then a dog comes over and pees on his shoe. Oh, dog. <laughs> I, I wish I was strong enough to crush that dog. Oh, well. <laughs> Oh, it was funny. It's it's really funny. And so it's it's an odd change, but I get it. It's just kind of a budgetary thing yeah. that they didn't want to have to deal with that. And and they've moved them from being part of the military to now he's just part of this Culver Institute and they're just scientists doing these experiments. And you know, I guess that works in context of what they're doing cuz and hey, this is something else we should talk about is just changes that they made to the story of the comic version of the Incredible Hulk 
as they turned it into this TV series. Obviously, we don't know all of it because we're only discussing the pilot episode and they had five seasons to explore, so they Mm -hmm. may have hit on some of them. But I mean, right out of the gate, we don't have a Betty. There's no Betty Ross uh, for him or General Ross for that matter. Right. And I don't remember because of the way I watched the television show probably, you know, many episodes, many times, and some episodes, not at all. I don't actually remember yeah. if they ever even introduced Betty Ross. I, no, I don't think Betty ever gets introduced. Um, she's just not part of the show ever, at least from what I've researched, mm-hmm. um, which is, it just seems odd to me. Um, they did have a a Betty Reese, uh, but, uh, well, no, I take it back. That was the actress's name. She played Molly, Molly Margot. Um, there was... <laughs> There was one actress, Laura Lizer Summers, in uh, one of the episodes who played a Betty, but she was uncredited. So, you know, I just I don't I don't think that they ever went there. And um, I mean, they they did make some changes that they acknowledged. Um, this is a, kind of an odd one that they that they uh, they changed as far as the name we've already talked about in the TV show. He is David Banner. Uh, David Bruce Banner. In the comics, he is Robert Bruce Banner, but he's always gone by Bruce. And what they said, the the whole idea, it's kind of, I guess it seems 70s. One of the changes was, uh, well, Johnson, we should talk about Kenneth Johnson, the the producer who produced all of these, uh, this TV series. Um, It was kind of his baby. And one of the things that he said he was trying to do is he was trying to translate it into something that was more believable and acceptable to a wider audience. And that's why he made these changes. He didn't like comics, and he thought it would be uh, a better show if it didn't feel like the comics. Um, So that's one of the reasons, uh, another reason aside from budgets, was the whole idea of the change. Um, But going back to the name, he changed him from from Bruce Banner to David Banner because and and Stan Lee agreed with him at the time uh he said he changed it to uh to David because Bruce sounded too gayish what <laughs> yeah uh. which uh, and this is great Lou Ferrigno said he thought that was the most absurd ridiculous thing he'd ever heard uh. <laughs> which which is good now th- according to Kenneth Johnson he didn't he said that's not the reason he said it was to honor his son David uh who knows what's really right uh but anyway these are kind of all the different <laughs> to things honor that his people son David saying. who is a homosexual no that's not true <laughs> I don't know anything about it it's not <laughs> but um but he didn't and, and also apparently he didn't like the fact that in comic books so many of ma- of the major characters had alliterative names and he didn't want to kind of continue that pattern. oh this was his little crusade against comics i see how'd that go apparently so apparently mm-hmm. so let's let's take a comic book uh, a, lo- a beloved comic book character right and make him as different from the comic as possible <laughs> comic books one kenneth johnson zero you know, okay, so that's that's another of the changes. Um, so they dropped the the military aspect of it. Also, they changed kind of the nature of the Hulk a bit. So far, uh, all we've really seen is a lot of kind of growling and grumbling and stuff, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much all he does. Hulk doesn't speak, and uh, in the show, he definitely, or in the comics, he definitely spoke. And Stan Lee. He did say, when we started the television show, Ken said to me, you know, Stan, I don't think the Hulk should talk. The minute he said it, I knew he was right. In the comics, I had the Hulk talking like this. Hulk crush, Hulk get him. 
I could get away with it in a comic, but that would have sounded so silly if he spoke that way in a television show. I don't know. What do you think of that? I don't I don't think it's accurate, frankly. I don't either. I think the movies have proven it. Well, the, the like movies the have proven it, but uh, I, I also don't think it's accurate to the earliest Hulk. Right? He didn't. I mean, I know there was a little bit of that. Oh, there's a lot of that. I mean, he he's not as as flat as that Hulk crush, you know, but he does talk at a much more basic level than Bruce does in the comics. Now I would like to read to you as the Hulk, if I may, Andy. Ooh, may I? Please do. At that moment, not very far away, the object of everyone's concern crouches angrily behind a boulder under the blazing desert sun. I gotta change back to Bruce Banner, but I can't. A whole blasted infantry regiment on maneuvers between me and my underground lab. I can't reach the cave without them seeing me and discovering my secret hiding place. That's from like ep- issue six. Yeah. They're... That's, that is full straight up sentences using words like maneuvers. I, you know, this was a big green thing from Fantastic Four. You can practically hear the Brooklyn. Or was it Queens? I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> like, I, I I agree, but I do think that that varies quite a bit uh, yes. from comic to comic. I think that there are a lot of times where you have simple sentences like Hulk smash. And I think that kind of becomes uh, very much the nature of uh, the way that I, people expect Hulk to be. And even I think if he's he gets dumber after the opening run. I think he gets dumber over the over the years. There are runs where he does more of that. I agree. Well, it's certainly not the professor. He's not the uh, professor. Which he, you know, <laughs> will be later. Yeah. Or um, uh, Joe Fixit, which is, right. I've been reading some Joe Fixit issues, and and that's quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Hulk. Hulk. So many Hulks. He's really, uh, he's, a, but you know, it actually gets to an interesting thing in this, in this interpretation of Hulk, the non-speaking Hulk, the growling uh, uh Hulk, is that it almost feels more true to to my internal kind of just gut understanding of the difference between Banner and Hulk, and and it, Banner actually has a, a line that I think is wrong in this. He's talking to Elena and he says, "You know, I I I don't I I want to be uh, Banner, not Doctor or not Doctor Jekyll." Doctor, yeah, well, yeah, I want and, to be Doctor Banner, not Doctor Jekyll. Right. right, right, and in fact, he should he should have said Hyde. Like that's the that is the counter, the the ego id counter to to you know it's it's Banner Hulk Jekyll Hyde. Hyde was the the crazy guy, and that's the one we don't want to be. We want to be Jekyll. He was really smart, also a madman, but you know really smart. So I I feel like we're getting to like the the Hulk manifestation is like all emotion and rage. And it is blind. And so what we have in the comic, you know, over the course of decades of the run, and now the professor is the the emotional maturing of that relationship that uh, I think this TV show really, really does a good job of providing a foundation for the immaturity of that relationship. The fact that we don't have a good, solid understanding of our own relationship with our inner rage and and pain. And we have to come to terms with that. And so as a comic book character, to split those things out at this sort of atomic level and show us this is how stupid you look when you're mad, um, I, I think is really cool. 
uh, and it, it loses, it blunts some of that, uh, you know, in later interpretations of the Hulk. Well, and this is going to be an interesting point to continue discussing as we look at these five TV movies to see how things do change over the course of it. Because I believe they they did plan on making a sixth one, and I'm forgetting what it was called. I think it's the – oh, I'm going to forget. Um, uh, it'll come to me. Um, but Sunday was, Brunch uh, with for, Dr. Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> There it is. Yeah. I'm no, sure it was that. um uh it was the da, 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 uh, uh it'll come to me. But anyway, uh Revenge of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. That's what it was. And Hulk was going to be able to talk in that one. Um he was revived with Banner's mind, but it happened uh but Bill Bixby happened to die. And um the it was a kind of tragic death of cancer in, in November 93. And that is kind of what killed that project, um, unfortunately. And so, um, yeah, uh, I would have been interested to see that. But it will be interesting, at least for us, to look at these five films and see what they do with it and how this character kind of continues to change. Because right now, I mean, Hulk, and this is another change, is he's very different as far as strength is concerned from the comics. Like, I mean, he can jump. I mean, that's something that I don't think I ever knew until I saw uh ang lee's movie Mm -hmm. because i had only my familiarity with hulk was never the comics it was the tv show and i didn't know that he could jump i didn't know that was a thing but man does he jump all the time in the comics that is like his uh, main method of transportation from the very Um, beginning that wasn't even a thing that he learned like it's just it was there exactly um also he's uh, very impervious and um he can get hurt as we see in this first episode he does heal quickly um but he can get hurt like yeah. he gets shot and it actually uh, causes him to bleed in this uh tv movie mm-hmm. um so i mean there are changes and oh and there's of course this pesky reporter that we'll have to talk about mcgee which uh you know he is the one who senses something suspicious and is kind of the the pursuer of of Banner over the course of the show. What do you think of McGee? It, it's odd. I kept going, okay, so why does why does he keep pestering these guys? Like, what is so important at the Culver Institute that he wants to get these guys sitting down for an interview? And why it's like it's like the way that they pitch it, the way that they talk to him, he's like the National Enquirer. I know mm-hmm. I can't remember what his his rag is, um, but. But still, I'm like, uh, it still is a tabloid. Why is he obsessed with this company? Like, what are they doing that a a tabloid newspaper wants to get a story to the point where he's like riding along with the cops, apparently, when, you know, they're being questioned and stuff like I was like, what is going on with this guy? Like, it, it really was strange. I didn't understand that. I get it later in the show as to why he's like he he gleans onto the information that they are connected to this mystery Bigfoot type of character and he really wants to crack the story. I get all of that. I just didn't really get him in the whole first part of the film. Yeah, I feel like his entire like the entire weight of his character was reduced significantly when he has that moment staring off into the middle distance after his first encounter with Dr. Banner. And he says, and Banner says, I don't want to be interviewed by you. He says something like, oh, I'll get you. And he puts on these <laughs> glasses. 
that are these big tortoise shell glasses. Like these are um these are just like by the pool kind of stereotyped 80s, 70s and 80s. Uh I feel like these are what my grandmother would have worn lounging by the pool in the mid 60s, right? Like then he tries to sell the diabolical nature of his pursuit of David Banner's story and I I was done with this guy. I was just done. <laughs> you lost me, man. Now I know that you're the guy that I'm going to want to punch in the face whenever he's on screen. No disrespect to the uh, to the actor. Jack uh, Colvin. Jack Colvin. Right. Uh, but my goodness, apparently, uh, Johnson says he was inspired by Javert from Les Miserables when he created the character of Jack McGee. Uh, and I have yet to see that, uh, in, well, I certainly see that in the whole course yeah. of the show yeah. because he is that guy who will pursue him to the ends of the earth. Yeah. So that, that aspect of it makes sense. When does he throw but himself, give him, uh, yeah, uh, does he do away with himself like, uh, Javert does? <laughs> Uh, maybe by the the death of the Incredible Hulk, we'll have to see. Does he finally like? No, you died. I have to kill myself too. Right. Uh, anyhow, uh, Jack Colvin. He was also in um, uh, Child's Play. Yes, he was. He was the doctor, right? Uh, doctor, right? Exactly. Such and such. Aberdon. Doctor Ardmore. Ardmore. Right. Yep. Right. That was his last uh, feature film. Interesting. He would uh, continue. Uh, no, I don't think he acted. Uh, I, he might have continued working in some other stuff, but yeah, he didn't act much more after that. Mm. It's okay. so okay. So, what do you think? Let's talk about the uh, just kind of the the nature of the of what the Hulk does and and everything, as far as like the transformation and then the Hulk destruction. How's yes. that all work for you? We, we have three Hulkouts in this film. Feats of strength. Um, yeah, so the first yeah. Hulk out is at the car. He uh -huh. gets so mad and then he gets hurt and uh, destroys his car before he wanders through the forest and, uh, all night, apparently, until the yep. next day when he yep. finds the girl. So are we can, um, we're so, calling that a single Hulk out event all all night. Well, and he never the comes tree. back to to Banner. So right. yeah, so, so we're he's, calling that one. He's wandering the forest in rage, apparently. Yes. And he finds the girl. He has his whole Frankenstein moment with her, gets shot by the dad, and then he he runs off and he sees himself in the reflecting pool. And I was expecting, a, you know, a song from Mulan about, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, <laughs> seeing this person looking back at me. And uh, but then that that that's the end of his first Hulk out. That's a long one. It is. And a then long the one, second yeah. one. Right. Is when they're doing the test and he's having his dream and he's dreaming about his wife and the accident and this is when he's locked in the big tank in the in their lab right. and uh pretty much destroys the whole place ripping it apart and elena which is brilliant she she is able to talk him down to the point where she can get a blood sample from him <laughs> get him to sit on a couch and i was fully expecting her to start singing him a lullaby <laughs> before he finally uh, turns back to Bruce. And then the last one is when he sees her injured. This is after their lab explodes and he's outside. He sees her injured through the window, turns into the Hulk so that he can jump in, um, pull her out from the rubble, and then take her to the forest where she confesses her love for him before she dies. By, by all rights, she should have been a crisp. 
the the amount of fire <laughs> and flame. It was a massive explosion right by her, and and uh, apparently was, the cement column took. All I the guess, of yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm I admit I am um, I'm damaged by uh, the modern MCU interpretation of Hulk, um, because I find his feats of strength underwhelming, uh, and like when he like dents his pinto that I you know. Like he smashes the hood in a little bit and the side. Eventually, he pushes the car over the. He crushes. He crushes clip. the entire top. Of it. Yeah, yeah, you have to put yourself in the 1970s. I know, and that's era. You, you have to. That's exactly what I mean. I am damaged by this because today's Hulk yeah. would have grabbed it in one giant hand and thrown it three thousand meters, like it would be just gone over the next hillside. And so, right. I think that. Uh, uh, I, I and and I think they actually, you know, this is the the challenge of making a character like this, even from the comic adaptation. Like that comic Hulk is capable of more stuff than this Hulk is, um, and and so that's a I, I think that's a that's a hard thing to to do. It doesn't seem particularly, um, you know, menacing to me uh, now. I think it's more interesting when we see the Hulk in the woods because then we get a, a much more of a classical kind of Frankenstein's monster vibe. Like this is the big misunderstood um, beast in the woods and we fear it because we don't understand it and we're misinterpreting its actions, i.e. here trying to uh, save this girl who's fallen into the water by <laughs> <laughs> pointing a giant whole entire tree at her uh, but nobody understands and so they they fire at it and and cause it to just run i mean that that i think is more interesting and honestly it surprised me in this particular film so early in the series to allow us this little bit of vulnerability of hulk that i thought was super compelling and um uh, Which we see a lot of that in the comics. Yeah, we do, and and I was really glad that they managed to put that in there. I don't, I don't know that they that uh, today's audiences would have been uh, patient enough for that this early. I think they needed more. We we need more stuff blowing up early, and this, uh, you know, it was it was very patient. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I, I I don't have as much a problem with the hulking out as you do, and what devastation he does because. And maybe it's just because I'm so familiar with the show, or at least my memories are like, you know, what Lou Ferrigno does. It's just it, that's how they did it. You know, he's always walking around in slow motion. He's talking with that growl. Um, the acts that he does are always they just it, it seems so slow motion that it's designed to make it seem like he's even stronger, which just I don't know. It it, it works in context for me because because of that. But you're right. right. I mean, absolutely. It's totally not what what we expect from Hulk now, knowing what he can do, knowing what he could do in the comics. It's it's very this is a very weak guy comparatively. Yeah. Um but th- that being said, I think it's fun to watch how they do it and obviously they're having a good time with the effects. You know, they're they're crushing cars, they're ripping down walls, ripping up trees, oh, yeah. throwing people, all that sort of stuff. Not to mention the makeup. I mean, you know, you aside from the green paint that they cover Lou Ferrigno in. Oh, and the, some, I got a footnote on that I want to tell you about. They've got that yak hair wig that he's wearing. They've got like the extra makeup on his face. Are they kind of the the built up like forehead and stuff? And I know that they change that later in the series. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. 
in these uh, in the later films um, what his face looks like. But uh, I don't know. I just I kind of it is simple, but I kind of like it because of its simplicity that uh, that we're seeing here. So um, a little bit of character swapping, just you know, some uh, actor swapping. Uh, mm-hmm. Word is that Arnold Schwarzenegger auditioned for the role. What do you think? Uh, can you put yourself in that uh, mindset? I think that's absolutely a, an interesting thing to kind of picture Schwarzenegger in the role. Um, I, and actually, I mean, he couldn't do it because of uh, commitments to Conan, which uh, I think we're all grateful that he ended up doing Conan because yeah. I think he's perfect in that. Well, they also, say, the they also say that he was too small. His 6'2 frame was deemed to be too small for the imposing character. What? Well, I, I didn't read that, but I, what I did read is that he is the one who actually um, recommended Lou Ferrigno. He was a bodybuilding rival mm-hmm. of Schwarzenegger's, mm-hmm. and, and who knows? Maybe that's part of the reason. He said, oh, you want bigger? Grab Lou. He's bigger than me. How about this one? Richard Keel was also uh, in, in the running, seven foot two, and some scenes were actually shot of Keel as the Hulk. Uh, and according to Johnson, one of those shots still appears in the pilot. I didn't notice it. It's you can't know you can't tell it's actually at the lake. And my understanding is it's an overhead shot when he's um, trying to save the girl. Uh, and I don't know if that means when he's holding the tree mm-hmm. before he knocks down the tree. I rewatched it after I learned that, but I couldn't tell. Yeah. I couldn't tell. It's so hard to tell from the angle which one Richard Keel is. But uh, he is, of course, uh, Jaws from the James Bond uh, franchise, and so. Uh, it's kind of fun to imagine him as it, but um, I don't know. I like Lou Ferrigno. Have I told you I've talked to Lou Ferrigno on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> that feels like is a that hiatus. Thing, all of a sudden? That is totally a hiatus episode <laughs> story. Please, Andy, tell us the story. Do I need music for this again? What should I? No. Okay. Well, you know, I, I, I did this documentary, uh, The Joe Show, about Sheriff Joe Arpaio here in uh, in Phoenix. Right, right. right. Lou Ferrigno is one of these celebrities who supports Sheriff Joe. And as part of the project, we were trying to find people like celebrity people who supported him. Um, so we talked to uh, Steven Seagal and we I talked – I got a hold of Lou Ferrigno and I ended up talking to him on the phone about it. He is just – he didn't end up um, doing an interview with us, not because he didn't want to, but because he's – He's very um, uncomfortable now with uh, kind of how his uh, how his voice sounds because of his hearing problems, yeah. and so he just he was really uncomfortable with it. And and you know I certainly appreciated it. He was one of the most gracious people to talk to. Yeah. And uh, but but still, it's just it was weird to have had a conversation with him on the phone. And I, I just remember getting off. I'm like, I can't believe I just talked to the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Oh, that's so terrible. <laughs> it's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> it, it was fun. Where was Seagal? Was he in North Korea? No, he was <laughs> He was here in Phoenix because oh. he came to Sheriff Joe's uh, election night. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, Man, you are really something. It was a, it was, yeah. yeah. It was a, you end up, yeah, the circles you end up in when you're doing a project like this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, what else do we need to talk about? 
I, it's worth saying that I think that for Bill Bixby, I think this is probably the character that he is most known for of uh, everything that he's done. I mean, he's he, he's had a pretty good acting career, um, not just uh, it hasn't been just this. And actually, when we get to talk about the Incredible Hulk, we'll have a nice little Easter egg because they throw a clip from a movie that he was in into um, into uh, on on TV when he's watching it in Brazil. Right. But I mean, he had uh, you know a lot of movie, a lot of TV credits. He was really a TV guy. Only eight uh, movie credits. The Apple Dumpling Gang is the one that I remember having watched as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, he, I mean, he had a small handful of uh, movies, and then uh, just a lot more uh, TV stuff that he did. But Bill Bixby, uh, he was when they first approached him. I guess he was kind of uh, the first choice, um, Johnson's first choice to play Banner, and he really resisted. And I, I'm not sure if it was just because it was a comic book thing or what. But then he read the script, and he said he quickly signed on. And I, I mean, I'm glad because I think it. I think he ended up being so much what made this show iconic and what makes the character iconic for me. Yeah, and yeah. I'd say for a lot of people who grew up in the '70s, I think so too. I, you know, and again, like the way he approaches this character in it, which is so easy to lampoon the the whole the whole thing. I mean, it's really easy to take the low road. But he approaches this character in spite of never figuring out adrenaline. Uh, he he really approaches this character <laughs> you're soberly. You're stuck on that. Oh, it's no, that one's going to be with me for a while. <laughs> the adrenaline watch, all of season two. Yeah, so right. I, it it is just one of those things. Like I found myself a, a real affinity to this guy. Like I, he was he's somebody I, with uh, that sort of screen charisma that I really wanted to to keep up with. And I can see why the Australians would want this as a feature film. Absolutely. <laughs> so Kenneth Johnson, he wanted to make Hulk red, oh dear. rather than green. He, the reasons he said was because red, not green, is perceived as the color of rage and because red is a human color, whereas green is not. And this is why I think Stanley is smart, despite some of the other comments that he's made. He says, Hulk's color was something that will not change. It is part of the iconic image. So yeah. I can't even imagine. Well, and I think it's funny because obviously Marvel did come around to Red Hulk later <laughs> Right. Later down the road, totally different character, but uh, Red Red Hulk. Well, that's it's um, Ross. Ross actually becomes he becomes the Red, Hulk. Red Hulk, right? Okay. Yeah. It, it, what's going to be interesting to me is, uh, and a, again, I'm far from having read like <laughs> even probably ten percent of the Hulk comics. There are just so many, um, but I am curious uh, if any main characters from the comics will actually make it into any of these movies. Um, they might also make it in th- into the TV shows. I'll have to see if I can do some research and find out. But yeah. um, uh, it, it has piqued my curiosity to try getting a sense as to who makes it and who doesn't. I think so, too. What fun. What a fun way yeah. to start our little uh, our, our journey into research on uh, this character. I'm I, I'll tell you, the experience of watching this has made me more excited to start pulling apart Hulk minute by minute, Andy. I feel like that's a good thing. It is a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Um, I, I guess it makes sense. I mean, obviously, it's the pilot of a show, and it became a hit, so it's not going to be a crappy pilot. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. Because otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. 
Um, but I, I think that they did a good job with it and they clearly were having fun. They created a good cast and that was uh, just doing some fun stuff with it. Uh, we didn't even talk about the music, the Lonely Man theme. Yeah. Um, Joe Harnell uh, did the music. It's just, it's a fun series and uh, this is a fun movie and it's worth watching, I think. So uh, check it out if you haven't and if you feel like it, people. Um, hopefully the other four TV movies will be like this. Uh, we will be here to report regardless. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> regardless. We're in oh, it. Oh yeah, we're in it. <laughs> we're in it now. <laughs> That's fun. Okay, so the next one we're going to do one more time. What's that? The next one we are going to do is it's actually episodes one and two, or sorry, two and three of season one of The Incredible Hulk. Um, it is uh, Death of uh, Death in the Family. Um, parts that one is and the two, title right? of both parts uh, of the episode. Um, they combined those to make a TV movie called The Return of The Incredible Hulk. But you won't find it that way. You just need to watch episodes two and three of season one also streaming on Amazon Prime. They have like the first four seasons all streaming for free on Amazon yeah, Prime. That was fun. Fun little discovery. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. This has been fun, Andy. Thanks for thanks for a good uh, hiatus so far. So far, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we are going to be back in, I, I think we're talking about a couple weeks for our next hiatus episode, right? Probably like uh, three-ish weeks. I think the spreadsheet calculates 21 days. There you go. Yeah. Three weeks. We'll see how We'll be works. back with our next hiatus episode, everyone. In the meantime, if you want to chat with us about uh, Hulk or Iron Man or anything else Marvel-related or related to any of the other movies we talk about on the next reel, um, jump into our Discord chat room. Um, you can find the link over on thenextreel.com. And, of course, you can jump into our Facebook group um, or wherever. Um, you know, we're all over the place. But the Facebook group is called the Marvel Movie Minute and Next Reel. Oh, gosh, it's an unwieldy name. Executive Why? Lounge? Why did the, we do that? Executive, the Next Reel, yeah, Marvel Movie Minute and the Next Reel Film Podcast Executive Lounge. In turn, Whew. fix that, please. <laughs> Get to work on that. All right, we're on that. <laughs> Good. Intern's busy. Good. <laughs> Intern. Uh, but other than that, Pete, I guess that's it, man. Let's get back to work, Andy. We got more comics to read. Until next time, true believers. <laughs>